Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. And so now we're gonna continue in the book of Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter six. We're gonna pick up right where we left off last week and we're gonna take a look at what Jesus has to say about generosity, about giving, about finances. So we, we turn there to Matthew chapter six, verse, we're gonna start in verse 19. The Bible says this. I'll wait until you're there. I hear, I hear some rustling, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. So I'll rustle with you. Here, I'll turn to my physical Bible. If you don't have a physical Bible, there's one in front of you. If there's not one in front of you, there's one in front of you here. If it's not, you can't read that, you read up there. If, if none of those help you, I'll read. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, now I didn't include these verses on the screens, but I want to read them to you. The next few, verse 22. Now Jesus talks about the eye. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. How many people want a whole body that's full of light? But if your eye is bad, what Jesus is talking about is if you have a stingy eye, if, if it's all about the accounting, if, it, if it's all about what you can get out of a situation, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, he says, this is the truth. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Today I want to talk to you about giving. See, the problem is the world has bad theology when it comes to money. And what's worse is many times we believe it. We buy in to their bad theology on money. And what happens is it leads us to be bound. Bound by fear. Bound by greed. Bound by stinginess. Bound by a poverty spirit. Bound by excess. And we don't even realize it's because we are following a belief system that should not be ours. But Jesus takes an eternal view. He has an eternal perspective on money and finances. And if you follow him and you follow his view, he'll set you free. Come on, how many want to have freedom in their finances, freedom in their, in their mind, freedom <laughs> operating in their life? And so my goal today is that we as a church, we would have a healthy and a holy relationship with money. Yeah. Amen. And I'm going to speak today on it, and, and over the next season, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll speak about it in, in the coming year, because Jesus talks about it often. And I pray, as we take a look at this subject, things break off of us, that we get God's mind and perspective, His view on money, and it sets us free. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, right now, we are open to hear this word, and we're ready to receive it. We're thankful, and we are filled with faith for what you are to say to us, Lord God. God, we lay it all at your feet. 
And right now we open our hearts and our mind. We're ready to receive. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone said. Amen. 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 Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And what he does to begin this sermon is something very brilliant. He brings all of the people up on a mountain. The reason being he's trying to elevate their mindsets. You know, throughout all of ancient history, temples were built on the highest places. People believed that the gods resided on the mountains. And so God is using that superstition for his own use. And, and he's saying, we're going to go up to where God is, and I'm going to tell you who God is. And he, he comes to deliver a new kingdom. Like he, he's essentially the new Moses, and this mountain is the new Sinai. And he's got some new commandments on how we should live. He's bringing us out of Egypt. And he's giving us a promised land. But this promised land he makes in our hearts. It is the kingdom of heaven. And you've got to think about who is there. This mountain is in the region of, of Galilee, near the town of Capernaum. The, the crowd he would, was speaking to would have been very normal, average, everyday Judean people. Fishermen, peasants, tradesmen. There would have been maybe some Romans in the crowd. There would have been some Pharisees. But... The reality is this was pretty far out there, out in the village, and, and it, was, it was a gathering of primarily everyday workers. I say this to say because that there were very few wealthy individuals there. And yet Jesus chooses to talk pretty clearly and blatantly about money. Why? Because money is not just a problem when you have it. It could be a problem when you don't have it. Money is not just an issue of the wealthy. It's an issue of everybody. And it's amazing what Jesus says to these relatively poor people about their possessions. He begins to position them with his words that they would have a correct view on finances, materialism, materials, and wealth. Jesus is concerned with our view of wealth and our approach to wealth, whether we have it or we don't have it, by whatever definition that would be. Because the reality is money can be your God even if you don't have that much money. Money can be your God if you do have that much money. Quantity is not what it's about. It's about the heart. And so here Jesus starts out with a warning, a very serious warning to you and I, to all those people. And he says this, do not lay up, store away for yourselves treasures on earth. What is he saying? He's saying, do not be obsessed with getting more of what you got. Do not be obsessed with getting more of what you got. In the day of constant Amazon packages, more's got to go out than it's coming in. I don't know how many boxes you guys have to break down on trash day, but for me, I need multiple sons just to help me with this. I mean, you need shoes, but how many? You need cars, but how many? I think you need somewhere to live, but how many homes? How many spaces? How much money? How much Bitcoin? How much? Do not be obsessed with getting more of what you've already got. He says, do not lay up treasures in heaven. What's the key word here? Treasures. 
Jesus is talking about your valuables. He's talking about your collectibles. He's talking about your material wealth. He's talking about the gems or, or your monetary blessings. He's talking about what you got, your treasures. And, and I say that to say, I mean, he's talking to us about the inordinate massing of possessions. He's not talking about like the, the regular everyday spending of money. He's not saying don't live. He's not saying don't go to the grocery store. He's not saying don't have a savings account. He's not saying don't do the Dave Ramsey app. He's not saying those things. It's a good thing to be a good steward of your money. He's talking about your treasures. And he's essentially saying don't treasure thy treasures. Don't make that the, the, the ultimate of your life. And, and, and he goes even further, and make sure, if you do have treasures, you don't store them up for yourself. Make sure you are not self-oriented, self-possessed when, you come, when, it, when it comes to your possessions. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying make sure that more is going out than is stacking up. You remember the parable when, when he talks about the man that had a phenomenal harvest, God blessed him, it was unbelievable. And so the man says, I know what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna tear down all my old barns, I'm gonna build new barns, I'm gonna put all of my, my, my harvest into those barns, I'm gonna store and store and store, I'm gonna amass, I'm gonna hoard, I'm gonna keep. But then Jesus says, that guy doesn't even know, that night his life will be required of him. That night, and, and, and he's, he's talking about your soul being right before God, more than your soul being attached to your possessions. I mean, I, I, I could speak so much more on that, but so many of us, like in the book of James, says don't say what you're gonna do next year. We're gonna go to this place and that place. We're gonna make money. We're gonna trade. This is what James says. He says, say God willing. In other words, submit your plans before the Lord. Submit your money before the Lord. Submit your business before the Lord. Make sure that he is first and foremost. And, and, and if you look around you and you see that things are starting to pile up, and, and maybe, you can't, maybe you can't see it physically, but digitally, maybe you see the numbers and the stocks and the bitcoins and the stuff, you got to be careful because your heart will begin to lean towards your treasures. And Jesus says, do not lay up treasures, hold on, on earth. We're going to talk in a moment where you can lay up your treasures, where you can be ambitious, where you can store, but God's saying down here, this isn't the place. Jesus is essentially the first minimalist. He's telling you to declutter your closet, clean out your basement. Have you ever, have you ever taken all your junk and like brought it to one of those receptacles and you put all your clothes in there or you've had a garage sale or you just started giving tables away? Have you ever, have you ever got to the point where you're saying, I'm getting rid of this stuff and you put it out front you ever notice how you feel light after that? You walk away like, whew, that feels good. Do you know why? It's an eternal principle you're practicing. People have whole YouTube channels where they're teaching you to do what Jesus already told you 2,000 years ago. Don't store this junk up. Why? Why? Well, first, because it will take over. Second, because it will become your God. And third, very practically, you'll lose it in the end. This is just the reality of it. Entropy will be at force in the possessions of your life. Jesus says, if you store up treasures on earth, moth will come, moths will come and they will eat it up. 
And when you go back to all those garments, which was a, uh, a, a, a like back then was the primary storage of wealth, you go back and all of a sudden you realize that they are frayed, that they are old, that they are out of style. <laughs> and that the moths have taken their, moths will eat it up, rust will eat away at it. Or thieves will break in and steal. If it's really valuable, people are trying to figure out how to get in, break in, and take what's yours away from you. There was just a, uh, an international story at how Blenheim Palace, which is the birthplace of Churchill, uh, thieves broke in last week and they stole a golden toilet. <laughs> I think the first issue here is that you guys had a golden toilet. <laughs> you, you know you got too much money when you got a golden toilet. But here they've got this wealth in the bathroom. And thieves break in and rip the toilet away. And I'm wondering, how many guys did this take and what did it look like in the dead of night? You get the handle. You get the handle. Hope it was clean. (laughs) Jesus is saying, be very careful with this thing because really the whole universe is conspiring to take it away and it will be taken away. It'll either be taken away before you die or after you die. But we know when you step over the threshold of of the supernatural, the material stays behind. No matter what, you're going to lose this. So don't be obsessed with this, especially knowing that life is is a mist. It's a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. It's so quick. Jesus is saying, you've got to safeguard your stuff in a better place. So many people are looking, where do we put Where do we safeguard our money? And and it looks like a shaky economy is coming and people are saying, do I put it in my 401k? Do we put it in the stock market? Do I put it in my house? Do I buy gold? Do I buy Bitcoin? Do I buy shotgun shells? (laughs) Where do I put my money to keep it safe? And the reality is, it really doesn't matter where you choose. In the end, it all has the same fate. You lose it. Be careful what you're holding towards yourself and storing up. But Jesus has a solution. Instead, he says, lay up treasures in heaven. What is this? It is an invitation to heaven's perspective on money. God is giving us a glimpse into the beyond, into the supernatural. He's letting us know this actually works. There is a safe. There is a place. There is a a way that you can store up treasures. And, and, And we are... We are wired to store up, store up for the winter. We're wired to store up. And Jesus is saying, that's, it's not necessarily wrong, but let me let you know, there is a place that is eternal, and this is where you should be oriented towards, where you should, try, you should be trying to put your possessions in that will safeguard them for life. Put your treasures in heaven, eternal life. And the, the reality is when you give to others, what you're doing is you're depositing into eternity. Every time you give away, every time you serve, every time you sacrifice, every time you spend on someone else, every time that you are a conduit of blessing, there is a heavenly accountant that is assigned your case number. And they are much better than the IRS. They are the eternal RS. (laughs) Church joke. And, And every time you give away, there's a receipt that enters up into heaven. This is what was given. This is who was given to. This was the motivation. This was the time. This was the amount. This was the heart. And they take that receipt and they deposit it in your file. 
and it is safeguarded for eternity. God knows what you've given, and make no mistake, he will never be outgiven. His promise is great reward. And so Jesus is saying, trust me, to give there is so much better than to have here. Orient your mind. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, uh, Storage Wars. Remember that show? Not a lot of people have seen the show. Get ready for a treat. Go find this show. It was on A&E, like, uh, like all the weird shows are, and they would purchase storage units. And, and many times, like the, 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 the front of the storage unit, the, the, the garage door would only be open a little bit, and so they couldn't really see what was inside. They'd have to bid, not really knowing what's in there yet, and they're bidding against other people. And, and sometimes they would get... They'd win the bid, get the key, open the storage unit, and there'd be all these boxes, but they'd be empty and filled with pajamas. They spent thousands of dollars, they got nothing. Other times, they would find like priceless, rare artworks, like cool sports memorabilia. And it's like every time I see it, I'm like, I'm gonna get into this, you know? But I know if I did, I'd get the pajamas. I know I'd get the pajamas. <laughs> know your strengths, you know? <laughs> Can you imagine with me in heaven that you have a storage unit? And every time you give things away on earth, God instructs the heavenly movers to put things into your storage unit. Every time that you are generous, every, every time you are sacrificial, every time you go over and above, every time you go the extra mile, it is noted in heaven. And God dispatches people, the angels, to your storage unit. Go fill it up. And when you die and you cross the threshold, whatever storage you, unit you have on earth, they're being bid on in A&E. But when you get to heaven, you meet Peter. I hope he brings you to your storage unit, gives you the key. You open that thing up, I pray it's filled with eternal treasure, priceless artifacts, things that you will have for all of eternity placed there by God. I hope it's a discovery to see. Look at all of this Great reward, great promise, safeguarded, no moth, no rust, no stealing. I hope you have a gold toilet in heaven. God notes it upstairs, Jordan wants a gold toilet. Fine. <laughs> the streets are gold. <laughs> and when you see all that has been put aside for you, and you, you get to meet the Lord, and you thank him. Just say, Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've given me, the, the promise, the wealth, all that you've put aside for eternity. And you might ask Jesus, but where did all this stuff come from? When, when did it get put in there? And Jesus will say, I tell you the truth. Whenever I was naked, you clothed me. Whenever I was hungry and thirsty, you fed me. Whenever I was a stranger, you invited me in. Whenever I begged of you, you gave. You gave to me. Now enter into your master's reward. Wait until you see the home I've built for you. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do to the eternal being. And he will never be outgiven. His promise is a great and eternal reward for you and I. And so my hope is that you and I would apply this principle and give our best into the next life and let God guard it. You say amen. 
Now Jesus goes on and he, he unravels it even further. Not only should you give into heaven, this is why you should give into heaven, because he says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Make no mistake, heaven wants your heart. It wants your heart. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And God say, I want your heart. I want your passion. I want your soul. I want all of you for all of eternity. Heaven wants your heart. And, and, and what Jesus is showing us is that your treasure and your heart are connected. And you and I should position our priorities with where we should position our priorities by placing our finances intentionally. Like, look at this principle. The principle here is that the treasure precedes the heart. Are you, are you catching this? That where your treasure goes, your heart follows. Treasure first, heart second. So I think sometimes we believe, the, the fallacy is that, that we, we, we believe what I value, I'll give to. But the truth is, what you give to, you will value. Your treasure tells your heart where to go. Your treasure tells you what to value. I mean, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever bought a collectible or bought a stock or, or bought in you know, to, to some sort of an organization. It's after you buy in, now you start learning about the thing. Now you start watching the thing. Now you start being obsessed with the thing. Now you're having conversations with the thing. Have you ever talked to someone that is into stocks? That's all they talk about. Why? That's where their money went. So that's where their mind, heart, and emotions are. Your treasure goes first, not your heart. Because I think sometimes with Christians, we feel like, hey, when I, when I feel led, then I'll give. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, give, then you'll feel led. You have to start with your mind. You decide first with your mind. You decide with the convictions of your mind where you're going to give. And then your heart will follow. And the love will follow, and the passion will follow, and the relationship will follow. But the decision has to first come from you. The commitment has to first come from you. This is an eternal principle that Jesus is speaking to you, to you about today. You have to decide where you will invest. You've got to decide where you're going to sacrifice. Who are you going to be generous to? You know, I spoke about this a little bit last week. I, I, I hope it's not abstract. I hope you know who you give to what organizations you give to, when you give, how much you give, how often you give. I hope you're tracking it because heaven's tracking it. Heaven's tracking it. And he knows if you're holding back. You know that the Bible says in Malachi, God speaks to his people and he says, you have robbed me. And they said, how have we robbed God? And he says, because you've withheld the tithe. This is how God sees it. When you're holding back, you are holding back what God views as rightfully his. And God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, come, I want you to repent and I want you to bring the whole tithe. Not a percentage, not a feeling, not an abstract, not an emotion, not a little bit, not a gift, not a smooch. He says, I want the conviction in the heart and the consistency of your whole tithe. I mean, this is real. And I don't want to get, I don't want to get too deep here but I, I do want to say this. If you're going to rob anybody, you don't want to rob God. Because God can definitely get you back. And, and I, want to make sure, I want to make sure I stay under the blessing of the Lord. So that whatever I ask, he gets and he gets in full. And I stay under the blessing. I'm thinking about telling you this story. But I don't want it to cause superstition in you. 
So try and find the principle in it, but not go crazy. Remember one time my wife and I, we went away on vacation, and, and when we came back, the new year had turned over, and uh, something had happened with our tithe system here. We give online first First, right out of the bank account goes to the Lord. And, and something glitched in the bank account where our tithes stopped being automatically withdraw, withdrew. We didn't notice it for a whole month. It goes to show how much we're paying attention. And all of a sudden, stuff's going wrong, like weird stuff. Weird stuff. Stuff in the house, things are breaking, weird situations are happening, bills are coming out of nowhere. And we're saying, what is going on with us? We're going to the altar for prayer. We're starting to fast. We're asking each other, like, is, this, is there something that I need to know? What's going on? My wife had this thought. She said, I wonder if something happened with our tithe. She calls up the church and says, hey, has our tithe been taken out? And they said, oh, we didn't even notice. There was a glitch in the system. You haven't been tithing for a whole month. And Samantha said, take that tithe out right now, please, and then some. Why? Because we don't want to rob God even if it's unintentionally. We want to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and be under the covering of the Almighty. Amen? And this is what Jesus means when he says, lay up your treasure in heaven so that your heart will be in heaven, your mind will be in heaven, your, your values will be heavenward, but you have to decide where you're going to give because the reality is what you give to, you will love, but you'll never truly love that which you've never given to. What you give to, you will love, but you'll never truly love that which you've never given to. The giving comes first. I don't know how many of you have ever been to a theme park. Maybe you went to Disney or Universal growing up, or maybe you went to uh, Six Flags over here. You know, and, and if you can remember that time with me, the first time where you went to an experience like that, maybe you're a little kid, maybe you remember the first time you were on the Superman roller coaster. For me, it was the first and last time I was on the roller coaster. Or even as I'm, I'm asking you to remember, you remember walking down Main Street with a churro in your hand, or first time you're on Pirates of the Caribbean, or, and, and maybe if, as you get older, you know, you bring your kids back because you want them to have the same experience that you had. You love the place. You thought about the place. Every time you see a photo, you remember the place. A certain smell will bring you back, a song, and, and you say, I got to bring my kids, and then you're watching them the whole time. Like, it's good, right? It's good? It better be good because it has, I've mortgaged our house for this. Have fun, have fun. <laughs> but you know, as good as those experiences are, the nostalgia, the imagination, the fun, what comes first? You gotta buy the ticket. Before you have the experience, before you have the love, before you have the fondness, the desire to go, to go back, you first gotta buy the ticket. The treasure comes first. The heart, the experience follows second. So it is with God. God says, here's what I want you to do. First and foremost, I want you to give. I want you to invest. I want you to give your all into my house and then watch what I will give to you. The decision of where to put your money will eventually direct your heart. And heaven says, I want your heart. And you might say, well, I've given you some time. I want your heart. I've given you some talent. I want your heart. I've, I've given you a portion. Jesus says, I want it all. He goes on to make it crystal clear. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll 
you'll uh, hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. This is Jesus saying this. Jesus is making this comparison. Not me. If you have a quarrel, bring it up with him. He puts money as a competition against himself. He sets it up as something that is competing for your heart, for your mind, your values, your thoughts and expectation. And Jesus is saying, today, you're going to have to choose. I think of that story in the Bible of the rich young ruler found in all three Gospels. Mark chapter 10, we find this young man comes to Jesus. He's rich, wealthy, has it all. He's young, which is even better. He's amassed it all at a time where he can enjoy it, and he's a ruler. In other words, he has influence and leadership on his life. He is the picture of success. And he comes to Jesus, and he knows he's missing something. And he says, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I've got it all, but there's something I'm missing, and I want to receive it. I want eternal life. And Jesus tells him, well, I want you to follow the commandments. Have you ever kept the commandments? Have you, have you defrauded anyone? Have you lied, stolen, committed adultery? The young man lights up. He says, I, I've kept all those commandments since I was young. He, he's lived an ethical life. I mean, the disciples are looking at this guy saying, this dude, let's get him in the group. This guy could bring us places. He's got it all. Look at him. He says, I've done it all. I've kept them from my youth. And then Jesus says, well, one thing you lack. Isn't it interesting? He has everything, but he lacks one thing. And please hear me. If you have everything, but you lack this one thing, you really have nothing. One thing you lack. One person you lack. One moment you lack. He lacks salvation. He lacked a revelation of Jesus. He lacked God. You got it all, but you're lacking something. And he knew it in his heart. That's why he came to Jesus. Even think about it. He came to the right source. You can't get closer to God than this. He knew it. Maybe you're here and you know I'm missing something. I've got a good life. I've got nothing to complain about. Things are going well, but I'm missing something. What is it? So many people search the whole world to figure out what is it I lack. And, and, and no matter what they amass, the more, more, more of life, the more success, the more business, the more influence, the more youth. He had it all, but he knew it. You could get it all and you still will lack the one thing. The one thing. Martha says to Jesus, she says, tell my sister to, to help me, help me with all of my all of my tasks. And Jesus says, Martha, you're filled with trouble. You're filled with anxiety. You've got many things to do, but Mary has chosen the one thing. Only one thing is necessary. I pray we are a church that is centered on the one thing, on the one person, on the one work, on the one cross, on the one salvation, on the one God. The one thing. Well, Jesus says, one thing you lack, all those, all those commandments, Jesus quotes. But what's interesting is he doesn't quote the first commandment. He quotes the later commandments, all the commandments that have to do with man to man, but he doesn't quote the commandment that has to do with man to God. 
Jesus skipped the first commandment because, see, that's the one that he violated. And do you know the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so, so Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Go sell everything and give it to the poor. And then come, follow me. I mean, isn't this amazing? This phrase, come follow me. I mean, this is the same calling that Matthew got, the same calling that James and John got. This is the calling of all callings. We should know this young man's name. He should be an apostle. I mean, you think about them dropping their nets. This guy could have dropped all his wealth. This would have been an incredible model, but we don't know his name because he had a different God. And he chose this different God. And Jesus he knows that this is the conflict that all of humanity faces, that you and I face, the calling of our heart. Which God will we serve? On the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't just say you can't serve God in money. The word he uses for money is an Aramaic word, which, which is called mammon, which, which means wealth, possessions. It, it means all that you could have, riches. But, but I think Jesus uses that word intentionally. He's using a word that only his audience would know. In other words, he's making it very personal to them. He gives money this name mammon to personify it. This is an idol. This is something that you might end up loving and serving but can never bless you. And then you have Jesus on the other side. Jesus and mammon. And mammon has ruled civilizations. Mammon has ruled the heart of man. And Jesus says, you have to choose which God you're going to serve. And the rich young ruler, he looks between the two. He looks at Jesus, but then he looks at mammon, this idol that he's had, his wealth, his possessions, his valuables, all his stuff. And the Bible says that the young man walked away sorrowfully. Isn't that interesting? One of the few people that ever walked away from Jesus sorrowfully. Why? Because he had another God. He chose another God. See, the problem wasn't his wealth. The problem was that his wealth became his God. And so Jesus said, if you want to come to me, you got to tear down this idol. Please hear me. He says the same to you and I. We cannot serve God and possessions. This young man was possessed by his possessions. He thought he had them, but really they had him. They had his mind. They had his emotions. And in the end, they had his future. He walked away from Jesus and he walked towards money. Never heard from again. We only know him as the one that could have been. Nameless, faceless. He was rich, but he isn't anymore. He was young, but he isn't anymore. He was a ruler, but he isn't anymore. All those things were lost because he walked away from the one thing, the one that would make it all count, the one that could rescue his soul, the one that should be all in all, the one that could make his name mean something, make his life mean something. I just can't get over the fact that he should have been known to us and instead he had his stuff. I pray that's not us. I pray that we're not drawn away from Jesus because of sneakers or stocks, stuff. Mammon is a poor God. He promises blessings that he never gives. And even the, even the blessings he does give, they get rusty. 
They get stolen. They get destroyed. But Jesus has a much better reward for those that choose him. Amen. May we love Jesus with our all in all. May we follow Jesus with our all in all. As Luther says, whatever, whatever a man loves, that is his God. May Jesus be our God. May we love him with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. And, and may this promise that Jesus promises over his people be the promise we receive. Because see, as the young man walked away, it's not the end of the story. Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, it's so difficult for the wealthy to inherit eternal life. You got to give up a whole lot to get what matters the most. And, 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 and Peter interrupts Jesus and he says, Lord, hey, we gave up everything. We dropped our nets. We followed you. And then this is what Jesus says to Peter. But hear me, I believe it's what he says to you. Because I know in this place, many of you have left jobs. Maybe some of you have had, have had, breaks in your family because of your following Jesus. Maybe some of you have had to walk away from some promotions or you had to walk away from some things. I know, a, I know a young man that refused a promotion because they said, if you take this, you have to work on Sunday. And he said, I can't, I've got a different God. And I worship that God on Sunday. There are some difficult choices you're gonna to have to make when you walk towards Jesus and you walk away from that idol. And Peter says, hey, we made that choice. Jesus makes this promise towards him, but he makes it towards you and me. And Jesus says, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Many of those that seem the poorest today will be the wealthiest in eternity. Many of those that have the most that you can see and touch and feel today will have very little in eternity. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. So what should we do? I pray we take an eternal view, God's eternal view on wealth, that we follow him and that we find freedom from the fear, the bondage, the brokenness that it will bring. But instead we follow Jesus's way, Jesus's truth, Jesus's life, and that we receive the wealth that he has made for us in the days to come. Can you say amen? Come on, do you receive it today? You receive it. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.